Hello, this is Professor Patrick Porter. It's my great pleasure to be speaking to Professor Barry Posen. Uh, Barry Posen has argued in a number of places that Europe can defend itself, uh, that America can afford to uh, significantly reduce its military commitment to Europe, uh, and that there are great advantages in doing so. So, Barry, tell us about your argument. Yeah, well, um, it's great to be here, and it's great to be here with you. Um, yes, well, I've made two arguments. Um, both are premised on the idea that... Uh, um, though the United States continues to have some interest in Europe, the, those interests are much less threatened than they once were because the Soviet Union is no more. Russia is much weaker than the Soviet Union was. My basic argument is that Europe, if it wanted to, could defend itself. And in the past, I've pushed very strongly for uh, you know, major reforms in the relationship that would put you know, 95% of the burden on Europeans. Um, however, in the interest of a more constructive policy debate, I've made some more limited arguments in recent um, months, basically arguing that the United States should press for a, a division of labor in the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And in that division of labor, um, Europeans would do more militarily, especially on the continent proper, tactical air defense, tactical air forces and ground forces. Uh, and the Americans would take care of Navy and intelligence and the mysterious but important uh, extended nuclear deterrence mission. And I've argued that the United States could save quite a lot of money this way, but I also think that for a lot of reasons, I think it would be better for the Europeans. So we could talk about that if you want. Okay, so given you think that the United States has interest in Europe, I'd like to pose four simple questions. First of all, in a, in a Barry Posen world with a significant retraction of America's commitment, what would happen, what, what would you care if Europeans then continued to underinvest? Secondly, would you care? How much would you care if the Europeans uh, invested heavily, if this succeeded beyond your wildest dreams and European states became, uh, if you like, American rivals and, nas and nas ambitious nation states arming against one another and perhaps against America? Thirdly, is this debate not too concerned with Russia as the defining problem when actually there, there could be other ways in which America could care about stability of the balance of power on the continent? And fourthly, um, your idea that there is resource scarcity, that America can save money, whilst I have great sympathy with that, uh, what would you say to the likes of Adam Toos, who uh, take a view that the United States is, in fact, in a uniquely favourable position fiscally with the reserve currency, with low interest rates, with its enormous productive capacity, that, in essence, deficits don't matter that much? Wow, that is a big agenda. Um... Would I like it? Would I be all right if the Europeans continued to do little? To do little? Um, I, I guess I, 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 if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. It's a risk that they choose to take, right? And if they want to take that risk, it's fine. The point is, I'm not going to indemnify them for that risk, right? And the question is, how bad could it get? In other words, is. Mm -hmm. Is, you know, are, are the Russians going to conquer Germany or Finlandize it? I have pretty significant doubts that it'll get that far. Would it be problematical if they did? Yes. But would it be earth-shaking? I think not, right? I think the world has changed. Um, can Russia Finlandize a nuclear France? I don't think so. Can it Finlandize a nuclear Britain? I don't think so. So could Russia establish hegemony on the continent? I don't think so. Right? Even if the Europeans don't spend more, I don't think so. But the Europeans are taking some risk, 
right? And if they want to take that risk, that's their privilege. I am prepared to take the risk. And if they're prepared to take the risk, then we can all be prepared to take the risk. Now, the flip side is, of course, is, you know, is what you asked, is what if the Europeans really do invest to become a rival superpower, right? Um, this would be a very interesting phenomenon. So because of its rather unique structure, um, I'm less worried than some might be. Would you like me to talk about the third point? Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'm all it is. Um, so, uh, you know, is the United States and Europe for different reasons than the Russian threat? I think there's an argument that can be made that it is, but that's not an argument with which I'm particularly sympathetic. And that argument, I think, and I think it's been around since the days of, you know, the first arguments about NATO expansion, um, is that uh, Europe is a great jumping off point for a more generalized strategy of liberal hegemony, that we want to, in fact, project our power and our way of life, not only into central, you know, Eastern and Central Europe, uh, but also into, um, you know, the Asian republics. Uh, we want to have a big base area for activities in the Middle East. And as you know, I advocate a more restrained grand strategy for the United States generally. So none of these purposes are particularly congenial to me. Uh, so the, some people argue that there's a new purpose to the American relationship with Europe, which is to try and mobilize Europe against China. But I think mobilizing Europe militarily against China is absurd for geographical reasons. And for economic, in terms of economic competition, I think the Europeans are going to find themselves naturally competitive with China. So I don't think we need NATO to organize that. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Barry. Uh, even in only six minutes, I, I learned a lot. And uh, this is something we're going to have to return to. And it's going to take a lot more than six minutes to resolve.